Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss Jupiter Ascending. Sebastian and I am here with Jennifer. Hello. And we are finishing our Wachowskis month with a final discussion of the film Jupiter Ascending, the 2015 sci-fi epic from the Wachowskis. Now, originally we had planned to have a guest uh, on the podcast, somebody who was a big fan of Jupiter Ascending, but they couldn't make it. So unfortunately, you're going to get a podcast from two people that probably aren't huge fans of this film, but we will try to nevertheless discuss it in a a balanced and fair manner Mm -hmm. if we can. Jennifer, you have not been on any of the previous Wachowskis podcasts, so why don't you just give me your thoughts, if you have any, about the Wachowskis and their artistic oeuvre. I like Bound a lot. That's about it. That's it. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy with what they're doing. It's just not really, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Like as far, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, you know. I know, but you're not talking to me. You're talking to an <laughs> audience. <laughs> Yes. Um, no, I'm just not really into what they make is not my genre. So it's not really on my radar. I recognize the significance. I know everybody it loves the Matrix and the other films have some different responses to them, as you've heard from the uh, previous episodes. Um, oh, I also did. I actually like Speed Racer. Right. Yeah, you could have had me on Speed Racer and had somebody who was defending Speed Racer. We had Steve. Well, Steve, yes, Steve was defending Speed Racer. So, yeah, I, I, I am a fan of Speed Racer and I like Bound. Well, so that's not too bad. No, I'm not. I mean, I think I'm glad. And, and after watching this film today, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that, but I'm glad they're out there doing what they're doing. Yeah. Because they're making some cool, weird shit. It might not always stick the landing. They have um, definitely a vision. Yeah, I mean, that's been sort of the main thesis of all the discussions is that while maybe not all of their visions 
land with all of us. We definitely appreciate the fact that they're out there and they're taking big swings. Yep. We like them for their ambition and their creativity and all of that. I appreciate one thing about Jupiter Ascending a lot, and that is that it is an original work. Mm -hmm. It is not based on a book. It is not based on a comic book. It is not from some other IP. This is straight from their minds, like The Matrix was. So I at least appreciate the fact that they wanted to make this big science fiction fairy tale sort of Disney princess movie and they got tons of money for it and they went out and did it so just for that reason alone I am glad that um, Jupiter Ascending exists and I wish there were more things out there like Jupiter Ascending I wish there were more um, creatives that were given the free reins to take big swings and create these flights of fantasy that are straight from their mind and aren't based on something else or a you know marvel property or star wars or whatever it seems to be rarer and rarer that we get anything like that these days the last holdout is going to be james cameron with his avatar movies they come straight from his brain so uh, as much as i don't like avatar i appreciate that it's an original idea from his mind i have seen jupiter ascending three times now you had never seen it before. That's right. why, why don't you give me just your general feeling on Jupiter Ascending? Well, first of all, I agree with everything you just said. I would much rather see something that is coming completely out of their creativity, what they are coming up with, like not based on any other IP and not a remake or anything and and getting a bunch of money to just see what happens like put it out there and see how it's received and i like before watching this just you know thinking about it earlier i was thinking i'll probably not hate it but i don't know when i'll want to revisit it again and that's pretty much spot on i didn't hate it at all actually i really kind of enjoyed the ride. I liked all the actors. I like the way it looks. I think they definitely put a lot of money into it. And there's just like some, there's some scenes that are just visually stunning. Yeah. And like really just like, wow. You had kind of said, you know, oh, it's like Disney princess meets Star Wars. I would also say Flash Gordon in there too. I've yeah. got a lot of Flash Gordon, which I'm a fan of, as you know. I mean, you know, there's certain things that I'm not quite sure what happened when I was watching it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I got the gist of it. And, you know, I, I, I think it was, kind, and overall, I think it's kind of a sweet story and a sweet message in a, in a sense, as far as how things wrap up. So I can't say I'm a, a fan of Jupiter Ascending, but I enjoyed watching it and maybe I'll watch it again at some point. I don't know when I'm not like chomping at the bit to get back in there, but I, I kind of felt when it ended it's it's kind of a bummer they didn't get like a sequel or a part two or something like that you know just because i don't know I mean, for somebody it's their favorite movie out there yeah <laughs> i mean somebody probably was really into that and I, I mean i could see that they were setting it up for that like that it could have gone to, to something else it could have become some sort of i don't know if a franchise is is the right word maybe maybe two more films or something i guess that makes it it's that counts as a franchise oh right? yeah that would be a franchise i don't know i mean there's just there was so much world building, which I really did appreciate that as far as having, you know, the, the different siblings and, and what they're up to and 
I mean, there's things, of course, that like are just kind of like no way (laughs) (laughs) that are just like even suspending belief and all of that. But I, 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 and I think, I mean, you know, this as well, like I tend to like fantasy and sci-fi that is kind of grounded in reality too. So I think that's probably why this worked for me because we did have earth as the center of all of this, you know, earth, present day earth, things going on there. And then, you know, these, these other planets and there's, I don't know, there's some good messaging in there. And I think the Wachowskis kind of always have that. I mean, they always have some, some kind of important messages in there. And I appreciate that they are doing that with their art. There's definitely always important messages in there. And they're usually things that I agree with. Yeah. I'm a big theme of this movie is consumerism mm-hmm. and the wasting of resources and trying to stay young and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, what they're saying, I'm definitely in agreement with their sort of main thesis. Well, I have to say, I am surprised to hear your reaction. I was expecting you to be much more unhappy with having had to watch this movie (laughs) just from what i know of your tastes um i know you generally don't go for sci-fi that's got a lot of heavy world building in it and man oh man does this movie have some world building in it we'll sort of approach this differently and you know we'll just kind of talk about the movie in sort of general chunks and stuff because we'll just get way into the weeds if we try to piece everything together plot by by plot please don't make us do that we're not gonna do that i'm not prepared if i can answer any of your questions (laughs) about jupiter ascending you know just feel free to just kind of chime in and ask me questions i may not be able to answer everything even though i've seen this three times but having seen it three times i definitely have a little bit better of an understanding of sort of the machinations of what's going on with the villains and their plot and everything. I will say this, that there was a a question that I had in the beginning where I I really just wanted to ask you while we're watching the film. And I was like, no, we'll just, you know, I'll save it for the podcast. But then it was revealed. Oh, okay. What was the question? Well, the thing that I was, I was struggling with because when she goes to um, the fertility clinic and all that goes down and it just, you know, it takes off from there. Mm -hmm. Right. And we find out about the keepers and all of this stuff. I I just was watching this and all I could think was like, this is a really a lot for just like trying to keep her quiet, you know, because, and I'm thinking like people think they see aliens all the time and they just people disregard them as being crazy. Like it's not that deep. Like you don't have to kill her, you know. And then right. of course it was revealed as to you know what was involved and in, you know anyway. And then and then Channing Tatum to kind of explains. He actually explained and answered yes. all of my questions as to why they were going into all of this. They kind of do the men in black thing of like, yeah. oh, everybody gets their minds erased right. and we fix all the buildings that just got ruined. Right. And... right. Because I was like, you can't just be zipping around and destroying buildings and nobody's, you know, they had an answer for everything. And I, I appreciate that as far as this one thing went, because at first I was like, this is just a lot of work. There's one <laughs> thing that I'm still 
really fuzzy on and i even just looked on wikipedia and it did not provide the answer for me but we'll talk about it when we get to it maybe i'll have the maybe answer maybe you'll have the answer and then you can illuminate <laughs> something about jupiter ascending to me yes well let's just talk about the intro where we get the family history mm -hmm. i guess you'd say of the character of jupiter jones who is played by mila kunis we see her mother and father meet cute. Um, he's some sort of astronomer or something with a telescope. And she's like, I don't know, a Russian maid or something. I feel like she was a student or something. Student. I think they were, I think they said that they were at university or something like that. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, they meet cute and fall in love, but then Russian mobsters or something break into their apartment yep. and kill him by accident. So. Jupiter grows up without a father, and then on the way over to America in a cargo hold, Jupiter is born. That was something. That was something. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite a sort of origin story, but mm -hmm. it's more or less to set up a couple of things. One, that her father had this love of the stars mm -hmm. and this obsession with the stars and wanted to name her Jupiter. Right. And the mom's like, we're not naming her Jupiter. Yeah. The mother is Maria Doyle, who's a character actor that I've seen a lot. And she is actually British and not Russian. Well, she did a good job. Yeah. I mean, the Russian accents are kind of exaggerated, yeah. but whatever it works. But yeah, it's setting up that her father loved the stars and named him at her after Jupiter and that she doesn't have a nationality because she was born in the middle of the ocean yes yeah so as a newcomer to jupiter ascending how are you feeling while you're watching this intro are you like oh this is cool or were you like what the hell am i watching <laughs> <laughs> well i like literally gasp when the mobsters broke into the apartment i was like we're gonna i didn't know we we're gonna lose dad so quickly like that was that was it stargazing dad was gone yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. It was it was getting us to how she got to America and what her life is like now, which we find out her life is not a good time. No. She gets up every day at 4.45 a.m. to go and clean houses all day with her mom and her aunt. And they, like, live in this, like, communal living with the rest of her family. It looks like she's, like, in part of a basement or something that's kind of partitioned off with yeah. her mom and her aunt. And it's just, like, an existence of just getting up. And, and every day she's like, I hate my life. Yeah. Because it's, like, yeah, it's 4.45 a.m. And she's getting up to go clean toilets all day. And she just wants to have, like, another life. And they're cleaning really nice houses. They're in Chicago. And, you know, she's fantasizing, you know, about the people who live there. They have, like, you know, nice dresses or jewelry or whatever and so we're con she's constantly like her mother like are you done yet you know in russian telling her because she's kind of dragging her ass so yeah i mean i was fine with all this beginning i mean it kind of you know it felt very fairy tale-ish i think when i first saw the movie i rubbed up against that a little bit because i wasn't really expecting a sort of fairy tale vibe but now that I've sort of gotten used to it, it makes sense. It's a very much Cinderella-ish type of setup. Literally, she's like cleaning and doing all of that like Cinderella did. I mean, I may have rubbed up against it because that's something I would rub up against. But I, I think since you had prefaced like it's, you know, like a, a fairy tale princess Disney space story, I, yeah. I kind of was ready for that. But if I had gone in just thinking like this is I'm here to see like a sci-fi epic or something yeah i may have chafed a little well good i'm glad my prep uh, eased you oh. into it so yeah we meet jupiter's crazy russian family and what sort of 
gets us into the main thrust of the story is that her kind of creepy cousin wants to sell her eggs for some profit so that he can buy like a fancy TV or whatever. And Jupiter's got her eye on a telescope because she wants to sort of honor her father, I guess. And so they've concocted this scheme to take the identity of a rich woman who she's friends with and she cleans her house. Did you notice that the friend was Vanessa Kirby, who was on The Crown and um, was in the Mission Impossible movies? The blonde woman? Oh, that was uh, Elizabeth's sister? Yes. Margaret? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, she kind of looked familiar, but I, I don't, I, she didn't look like, I, I only really know her from The Crown. Yeah. And she That's looks cool. quite different in the crown. She's got dark hair. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's a pretty girl. I just didn't, I wouldn't have known that that was her. Also, we should say her cousin presents this as like, they're going to get some major dough for her donating her eggs or selling her eggs. I shouldn't say it's not donating, I guess, if you're making a profit. But it was going to be like 15 grand and the cousin's getting 10 and Jupiter's only getting five. And they're yeah. her eggs, which she brings up. And he's like, it's capitalism, blah, 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 blah. So I was already like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. But he also presents it as like, this money is going to change our lives. And then come to find out, he's just buying a bunch of bullshit. He buys this giant TV and like a, a video game or something. I mean, like he, it's not even like, because I, I had said, I did say this a lot. I'm like, because even with Jupiter's choice of like getting the telescope, which I get it because of her dad. But that telescope was like four grand. And I'm like, don't you want to get out of this situation? Like, let's put this five grand <laughs> to, to better use. Like, you hate your life. Like, let's let's get out of this. I think that um, the sort of point of that whole situation is to play into the theme of the movie, which is capitalism, yes. consumerism. Like we're going to find out there's this whole galactic scheme to take advantage of humanity for resources. Look, I, I get it. Yes, it's a, it's a bigger, it's speaking to a bigger problem as we all are consumers and we would rather buy something that's going to make us feel better in the now than like I, you know, I'm not being critical of that but I'm just, not debating your point logically yeah, lo I'm just speaking logically I'm like let's move something else in the right direction but I also get like being in a, a position of like things are never going to get better I mean her uncle even says it because she tries to ask him for the money at dinner and he's like oh what another advance and he's like what else are you going to buy that you don't need like to make yourself feel better to forget about the life that you don't like I mean he like kind of goes on a little bit of a diatribe about you're going to buy another phone or are you going to buy you know so yes there's again the consumerism that's coming up which is you know this is it's all real they don't really go into it too much but I think we're to assume that because she is an illegal yeah. she basically has no real options that's true but yes. to be stuck in this situation she can't go out and get a better job because right. she doesn't have an she identity, doesn't have any identity really. yeah this is true i'm not faulting you for not really picking up on that because it's not really explored in the movie yeah i mean other than her saying she does say at the beginning that she's an illegal alien Right. And the reason why she can't just go and sell her eggs under her own name and take all the money for herself right. is because they're assuming the identity of this woman that she's friends with. Who is a, with and works who is a citizen yes. who does have 
an identity and all that. Yeah. Which I'm presuming is why the brother or the cousin is getting some sort of cut in this because he came up with the idea I or guess. something. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Even if it's his idea, I don't see how why he's entitled to 10 grand and she's only entitled to four. They're her eggs. She could have easily come up with this idea on her own or she could just have gone and done it and not even told him about it. But here's the thing that I wanted to run by you and see if it made any sense. So we find out that there's this like galactic family who's tracking her and they figure out that she's going to be donating her eggs to this fertility clinic but she's doing it under this name so i think the channing tatum kane wise character has some sort of powers where he can figure it out or something well there i mean the, he does have those powers because he's like lycanthropic or something he's got mm -hmm. like the the he's like a, a spliced genes with like a wolf or, or something like that or some kind of creature that would be close to a wolf right so he does have like the heightened senses they're tracking her in all sorts of ways i mean their technology is so much greater than anything that we can even understand i think she had to do something at the clinic where they were able to confirm. Well, yeah, because those those creepy keepers or whatever, right. like, thought it was her. They suspected it was her. Yeah. Even though she had an assumed name, they were somehow able to verify it by when they shot her in the back of the neck or whatever, that it was her. It was her, right. her genetic makeup or whatever. It's kind of a little unclear as to how they knew since she was using a fake name that she would be going there. I just assumed that they just they just know shit. I do too. It's not like I rub up against it that right. much. But this time when I was trying to pay more attention, I was kind of like, huh? I mean, Kane Wise, who is played by Channing Tatum, is a hunter or whatever who's been sent by the handsome brother. Right. right. So he's tracking her. So I think he figures out the information and he sends it back to the brother and then the brother figures out that she's donating her eggs that, or something that makes along sense. those lines. Yeah. Well, then, because also she, it might also be tied in because before she goes to donate her eggs, she's at the the place with the girl from The Crown and Mission Impossible. Yeah. And she's getting dressed for her big date and they're having like a moment or whatever. Yeah. And then she goes into the closet to get her dress and then she sees the aliens. Right. And they take, she takes the picture and then they do something. So they might have gotten her, they might have gotten her then. But that's what's confusing because they're doing it to Vanessa Kirby and not her. So if they were getting, if they were looking for genetic materials, on Vanessa Kirby, they would establish that Vanessa Kirby isn't the person they're looking for. Yeah, but I didn't even think about it. I was thinking that they were just maybe going to harvest Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We shouldn't go too far no, down this rabbit hole. No, go down the rabbit hole. But yeah, or, or that they, you know, Kane had tracked her somehow to this place or you know something something happened in that i don't know i just i didn't think that much about it probably wisely <laughs> now speaking of wise let's talk about kane wise as played by channing tatum how did you feel about him in this movie i thought he was fine i thought he was perfectly cast for what he was doing i like channing tatum i channing hate him <laughs> Oh, no, I don't. I used to Channing hate him. I've sort of softened to Channing Tatum. I'm not going to lie. He's not my favorite leading man out there, but I think he's fine in this. I mean, the role isn't 
particularly deep or doesn't have a lot of layers to it or anything. No. I do find his blonde hair and goatee to be a bit distracting. I can hang with the pointy ears because I like you do characters with pointy ears. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine in this. He plays this character who is, like you said, has been, he's a splice, which means he's a human that's been spliced with some sort of animal. And he used to be a member of this like elite team. I forget what they're called. Some sort of legion. Yes. And they had wings. That's right. They had uh, artificial wings put on to them mm -hmm. so they could fly. But he had his wings stripped away from him. He wants to get his wings back. This is Screenwriting 101. Yeah. You give your character something that they want. And so the Wolfman wants his wings. And <laughs> in the meantime, what he has to fly around on oh, Jesus. are these like boots that are essentially space roller blades where <laughs> he skates around on the air and this this sort of like light trail follows him wherever he goes and it's kind of the big special effect of the movie these boots like <laughs> these boots are just so dumb i just uh i was uh, yeah i was cringing i was like these are so uncool like it's <laughs> Like not like he got really got downgraded. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like he needs to get around or whatever. But when I like I first met him and he was like or when he was in the clinic or something and he like gears up like Sonic the Hedgehog or something and like takes off with his like his rollerblades. <laughs> not a fan, huh? That was not. No, I mean, I, I get the functionality of them, but those boots like kind of made me giggle every time like they're silly that's fair that's fair i mean i kind of enjoy them i mean because the whole action of the first 30 minutes of the movie basically revolves around these boots because <laughs> you know at one point he's being tracked by these three bounty hunters who are characters that don't end up mattering nope. at all in the movie which is kind of a flaw i think but he's being tracked by them so we can have an action scene in an alley where we first see him use his boots and he goes flying around and he's got this like laser shield that he uses to keep from getting hit from laser beams. You know, it's obviously a lot of like stunt work. It's a lot of wire work where Channing Tatum or his stunt double is being sort of flown around. And there's this one bounty hunter who's played by uh, Una Bay who has crazy blue hair and she has this like hover vehicle that she chases him around on. And then later when Kane Wise, <laughs> love that name. I know, I know. <laughs> when Kane Wise rescues Jupiter, they go on this wild ride through the city with these spaceships that the keepers are flying, chasing after them. And at one point they get it into a spaceship and it goes on and on and on. There's a lot that happens here. I'm wondering how you were feeling about that scene because that's the big show-stopping action scene of the movie. And one thing that we were discussing in our other Matrix podcast is how the Wachowskis have really great ideas for visual action scenes, but sometimes they go on a little too long. Well, you know how I feel about them. These type of things that go on a little too long. I do. <laughs> but did you feel like you were having that sort of battle fatigue or did you just, were you just getting bored with the scene? I just kind of zoned out after a while. Like yeah. I was just kind of like at first 
I was in, like when they both fell, I was like, oh shit, she's fallen. And then it just, I mean, it's so, it's so like planes, trains, and automobiles of action scene, like going from, you know, we're in the spaceship and then now we're back on his crazy boots and just, it, it just, yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool going through the city, I guess, going through Chicago, but it went on for a while. Somebody enjoyed that. How do you feel about Mila Kunis in the lead as Jupiter? I like her. I, I've always liked her. I think she's very charming and I think she's fine for this. I mean, her character's, you know, it's just doing that whole thing of like, don't call me Her Majesty, you know, call me Jupe. Mm-hmm. And is real down to earth than pun intended, which is it's endearing, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's a character. Yeah, I feel like her character, unfortunately, doesn't really go through a lot of real character moments. And she spends a lot of time just kind of being moony eyed over Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Yes. And it's like established right away that she's sort of into him. You know, she keeps trying to get him to sort of reciprocate right which he isn't doing because he's trying to be respectful of her newfound status as a space princess so there's a lot of this will they won't they that's not that not that the stakes aren't that high the stakes aren't that high yeah you know they don't have any sort of moment that you would typically see where she doesn't like him the perfect example of this would be princess leon han Han solo Solo. yes in empire strikes back like the most of the movie they're at each other's throats, right. which is a you know romantic comedy trope or whatever. Right. And you know they really like each other, but they're not playing it that way. And this, you know, they're going for something different, I think. But she's basically like, I'm into you the whole movie. And he's like, oh, yes, your majesty or whatever. So it gets a little bit tiresome. Which, by the way, when she does say one thing that was like just really kind of like I was like this doesn't work for me like she says to him when he says your majesty like everyone else that says that like makes her uncomfortable but like she gets kind of horny when he says it she's like I like how that sounds I'm like yeah you didn't chafe (laughs) against the scene where he's like well you know I'm more dog than human or whatever and she's like I've always loved dogs yeah no I I did I think I laughed out loud but I also think like her character like poor Jupiter like all she does is work and sleep like that's literally her life it doesn't seem like she has I mean they're making fun of her family's making fun of her as well like why aren't you married you know and their uncle's like oh you're too smart and stuff like that so I don't think that Jupiter's had a lot of dates and you know dashing Channing Tatum you know swoops in and saves her from this and I think she's just kind of caught up in the whole thing yeah, I don't blame her for like being into him or anything. I, I just feel like the character doesn't have a whole lot of dimension to her. Ultimately, what she gets from all of this is that she just learns to appreciate her life and her family. Yeah. And I think that's that's a fine lesson to be learned. But there's not like a lot of growth from her no. otherwise. It's like Wizard of Oz in that sense, you know, there's no place like home type thing. Yeah. And I mean, maybe to your point, maybe they were thinking this was going to be a franchise. And so they wanted to leave a little room for her character to grow or whatever. But ultimately, I agree with you that I think Mila Kunis is is fine in this role. I don't think she's outstanding. It's not like she's bringing anything to it that I'm like, oh, she's really making this character who's pretty flat on the page. She's making her sing. You know, she's doing what she's being asked to do. I think a great 
performer can take something that's that sort of one note and really make it into something special just by their performance. She doesn't quite take it there. I don't think Channing Tatum does the same thing for his character either. So they end up being these kind of flat, typical princess and the prince, if you want to say, type of archetypal characters. It works, but they don't rise above it in any way. I think it works also because you do have so many other characters who are really chewing up the scenery. But I also wanted to say in regards to Mila Kunis, I also have always thought, and I think she looks wonderful in this too, she's just really pretty. So I'm enjoying just seeing her in all these different getups and, and things that happen along the way where she's like in these crazy outfits once her space journey takes off. I agree that she's really pretty. I do think that whoever sort of handles her look in movies and TV, they put too much makeup on her. I mean, she's always got these sort of heavy mascara raccoon eyes because her eyes are so big and I think they like to have them accentuated and stuff. But I feel like in this movie, she looks great, but she's also wearing a lot of makeup and I can I just tell. thought that was the space makeup. Like <laughs> that, that's what they like. Well, once she starts getting into all the different royalties, houses and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, just in general. When she was, well, she was pretty made up to be cleaning houses. Yeah. I mean, she was, like she was pretty, serious she was pretty dolled up. Yeah, that's true. Especially getting up at 445 in the morning. I can tell you what, that's not a priority. Yeah. She's not into looking au naturel. Let's just put it that way. So let's talk a little bit about the Abraxas family. Yes, let's. The Abraxas family are ostensibly the villains of this piece. They are a very wealthy dynasty from outer space. They are human beings, but they are human beings from much older planets and stuff than ours. We find out through Cain at one point that Earth is not the only planet that has humans. Humans have been around the universe for a long time and they've only been on Earth for a billion years or something like that. And this family owns a whole bunch of planets and we have three siblings. We have um, two brothers and a sister. Eddie Redmayne is playing Belem. He's kind of our ultimate villain. Oh, yes, he is. Because he owns Earth, mm -hmm. but he knows that if the universe finds out that Jupiter is the reincarnation of his mother That's right. because of her genetic lineage, then she will become the owner of Earth, and then he won't be able to harvest it for the juice that they use to keep themselves young for millennium after millennium. What did you think of Eddie Redmayne's performance? Wow. Just wow. He is giving it all. He's leaving it on the floor. Like everything that like Eddie Redmayne has, he's putting into this character. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, I'm here for it. But wow. Like so intense. Like especially because you're getting, you know, when he has this, late, the later scenes with like Mila Kunis, like, that's not her character at all. He talks like this most of the movie. Until, until he yells. yells. Until he, that's what I'm talking about. When he yells, the, the yelling is where it's it's so intense. Like his face is red. And I mean, he's just, 
Yeah. Ooh, it's a lot. I find him a little bit repulsive as a actor, and it's it's no <laughs> fault of Eddie Redmayne's. He's such a pasty ginger. <laughs> I always thought he would be a good uh, Malachi if they ever redid <laughs> Children of the Corn. He would be such a good Malachi. He'd be the perfect Malachi. I'm sure that's the role he's always wanted to play. <laughs> I'm sure. He's just waiting for that Children of the Corn remake. He looks like Courtney Gaines from Children of the Corn to me. Uh, for some reason, you're listening, Eddie. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a wonderful actor. And um, I believe this was the movie he made after he like won the Oscar mm-hmm. or whatever for... Mm-hmm the danish girl or Mm -hmm. something like Mm -hmm. that a movie we haven't seen Mm. maybe we should see that movie so we can appreciate red main i mean it's also the fact that he's a ginger and he's named (laughs) red main like a little on the nose don't you think (laughs) i might change my name if that was my name (laughs) oh Eddie Redmayne. I got to say his performance in this movie is the highlight for me just because it's so over the top. He's the thing that most people remember from this movie. I think I won't forget it or something for it. I won't forget it at all. And it just keeps it just keeps giving. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, I'm here for it. So the character of Kalik is played by Tuppence Middleton. She is a British actor. I've seen her on some other things. I know her name. Like, I remember that name from something else. I I can't recall what I've seen right now, but I definitely. Oh, she was in. Was she in Downton Abbey? She might have been. She was in Downton Abbey. The name Tuppence Middleton good ha- name. has to be the most British name since Benedict Cumberbatch. It's the female Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, like you don't get any more British sounding than Tuppence Middleton. That's great. I actually like her character in this because she sort of provides us with a lot of the backstory and exposition, mm-hmm. of which there is a ton. The Wachowskis are known for their exposition dumps, and boy, do you get a lot in this movie. It's pretty tiresome, actually. But she sort of explains the situation to Jupiter. I mean, in one of many scenes where Jupiter's sort of taken hostage or whatever, mm-hmm. it gets hard to even kind of keep track of how many times she gets know. taken hostage and yeah. how it happens. And, or if she's hostage at some point or if they're good people or bad people. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because they need to get her in front of each one of these siblings and have their kind of scene with them right her scene with the the Kalik character is just she's in Kalik's planet mansion or whatever and Kalik is explaining to her that the reason why her brother is after her uh, after Jupiter is because you know they've discovered that she's this sort of genetic reincarnation of her mother and she explains that the Abraxases have extended their lives for millions and millions of years by harvesting this sort of juice out of human beings. We don't find out how this is done at this point. When we first see her, she seems to be like a middle-aged woman. And then she steps into this bath and it rejuvenates her back to her young, actual Tuppence Middleton age. And that sort of demonstrates to us you know, what's going on with this family. But the thing that I was sort of disappointed about is that's what we get from her, and then she's not in the movie anymore. I really enjoyed her visit with Tuppence Middleton, and I really enjoyed the Tuppence Middleton going into the pool as a middle-aged woman. 
myself yeah. having her come out of the pool and being fabulous. I'm like, this is really speaking to me right now. Yeah. I'd like that pool. <laughs> Let's get that pool. Yeah, it's too bad. And, and this is one of the things about uh, this movie that I think merits some discussion. It feels like a longer story that's been sort of crammed into a two hour story. Like if this was a TV show, I could see there being like an episode or two of Jupiter and Kalik sort right. of hanging out and maybe becoming friends, but really Kalik is sort of scheming against her, but Jupiter doesn't know. Maybe Jupiter sort of learns to trust her, but then her trust is broken. Something along those lines. The movie doesn't have any time for that, and Kalik isn't one of the main villains in the end, so it's really just this scene, and then she's just she doesn't have any role in the, the rest of the movie. Like, she doesn't even come back at the end or anything. I feel like Kalik doesn't really care. Like, she's kind of, I mean, what what is interesting about the siblings is we have Eddie Redmayne, who's not even pretending to be a friend, and then we have the, the um, more handsome brother, who's you know got his own ideas too but his he's his approach is more like Kalik's in the sense of you know I'm your friend and you know yeah trying to woo me, Jupiter woo me whatever yeah and all of that so yeah I mean I, I feel like Kalik is dangerous in her own way and she's presenting it as oh I you know I wanted to have a second chance with my mother and yeah. you know which is all it's just so weird because like they're thousands of years older than Mila Kunis, I get it. I mean, they're explaining this is like how, you know, we would interpret reincarnation and, yeah. you know, whatever. But it's still just, it's odd. Well, reincarnation is a real concern of the Wachowskis. They have Buddhist leanings. Cloud Atlas deals with reincarnation in a big way. So this is just kind of their thing. Yeah. They're just into it. But yeah, I would have liked to see more of Kalik because yeah, she just barely dips in there. She gets taken hostage to there and then... Kane shows up again, swoops her out of there, and then she's off with, I guess, the good guys with the lady who's the captain of the ship. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, is that the Legion? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... the, the ship is the Aegis. Okay. But I'm like, is that the Legion that they got kicked out Something of? Something along those That's lines. That's what I was kind of thinking. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, and we did skip over they go to like the countryside of like Illinois or Iowa or something. They're in the Midwest somewhere where they go to Sean Bean's house. Yes. And, you know, he's living there and he knows Kane from the past and they had had a falling out and he's also lost his wings. And, and then he kind of gives her a little bit of a history lesson about how humans were formed and like about the dinosaurs and all of that. Like yeah. it's just kind of a, a quirky little history lesson about how human race is one thing here, but how it's way more evolved there and, you know, all of that. You're skipping over a major element of this whole segment. Oh, the bees. <laughs> <laughs> what about the bees? Yeah. <laughs> the bees. Wow. Yeah. This is when, yeah, this is when we got to talk about this. This is because uh, we don't know like for sure that she's uh, royal or special in any way until she gets, so they get to Sean Bean's country abode and there's freaking bees everywhere. And there's like honeycombs all hanging around his house. And I mean, like so many bees. And at first she's just kind of like swatting them, like, you know, get out of here or whatever. And then 
she starts moving her arms around like up and like kind of flowing them around and the bees are following her but they're not stinging her and then sean bean like drops to one knee he's like your majesty because the bees know royalty they've been genetically designed to suss out royalty you also um missed the fact that sean bean is a bee man he's been <laughs> spliced genetically with bees and his name is stinger <laughs> I didn't even get he was a beeman. He's a beeman. I didn't get he's a beeman. I knew his name was Stinger, but now that that makes so no, I collect that completely went right over my head. And is he and his he and his daughter both have like bee eyes? That's correct. Well, I didn't know why. I was like, they're just alien space stuff going on. There's so much space stuff going on. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they are bee people, and uh, for some reason, Sean Bean's daughter has some Bean. sort of Bean. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sean Bean's <laughs> daughter has some sort of illness, yeah. and that's why later on he sort of betrays them. Yeah. Although he only betrays them momentarily. Just for a second. It's a quick betrayal. Yeah, then he becomes a good guy again. Yeah. Sean Bean does not die in this movie, just for the record. A lot of times Sean Bean's character is dead in the story. That's right. Spoilers. If, you know, <laughs> if, if you see Sean Bean, you might not see him for long. Yes, he <laughs> He has a uh, history of dying in movies. Doesn't die in this movie. But yeah, he's a beeman. A beeman. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So yeah, I'm glad we went back to Sean Bean's place. But what I was saying is she's, so she's on the good guy ship, which is like the, the Legion folks. And now they are taking her to bureaucratic hell. Yes. Like this next piece was so painful. It kind of, uh, kind of reminded me a little of like Brazil. Well, I mean, that's intentional. They no. they knew what they were doing and they were like, yeah. let's get Terry Gilliam to be yeah. the last person in this chain of bureaucracy they have oh to deal God. with. Like even in highly evolved space, it's still this terrible bureaucratic nightmare, kind of you know steampunk-esque, just terrible. I feel like this scene is supposed to be a real knee slapper, funny type of scene. Oh, it's just frustrating. Yeah, it's not really funny. <laughs> That's not funny to us. No. <laughs> we don't find this stuff funny at all. It's really painful. Yeah. And the, the guy who's like guiding her around is supposed to be kind of a character. And he's at first, you know, going to be like this concierge or something that's going to whisk her through the process of getting her royal status. And it's just bouncing around from department to department and getting the whole like, well, you need to have the tax ID, but I can't get the tax ID until the that's not my problem. Oh, it's just like, kill me now. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's, no. If the, the goal was to have a fun scene that everybody can chuckle at, it's not that funny. And yeah, the guy taking them through is supposed to be some sort of lawyer or something. Yeah. And he's like a robot or something. He's some sort of neck yeah. creature. It's visually fun and Terry Gilliam, haha, ha, is the last guy that they go to when she has to finally get her cool space tattoo. That's her royal seal. It is cool. It's and I do appreciate her. Like it's like one of those. Um, the they actually have. I mean, that is like a thing with tattoos where you can get like the you can only see it under black light or whatever. Cool. So that's kind of what she has. I like that. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll get one of those. There you go. A black light tattoo. That's right. You can only see it at raves. Yeah, so the next kind of major thing that happens after that is she gets kidnapped again. I think this is when Stinger betrays them for some reason. And uh, she ends up in the custody of the handsome brother, 
Titus Abraxas, and he is played by a character actor, Douglas Booth, who I've seen in stuff. I have too. He's very handsome, very fitting for this kind of role. And his scheme is to get Jupiter to marry him so oh, that he can He was can Nikki then... Six in the dirt. That's where oh, we saw that's him. Right, right. That's where we know him from. Yeah. But yeah, his scheme is to get Jupiter to marry him so then he can get Earth. But really, he's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. And he tricks Cain because Cain has to sort of hand over Jupiter to him. But Cain knows that something's up and then... He puts Kane in an airlock and shoots him out into space. Kane luckily has a spacesuit with him and manages to survive. And he comes back to save Jupiter right when she's about to get married. But yeah, it goes to this whole sort of machinations where, you know, oh, if you agree to marry me, then I won't let my brother kill everybody or something all of this is just kind of like messy and it's fine it just feels kind of um rushed yeah. at this point like especially with king gets like hit, sent out into the void he like with his feet or something like kicks some like packs out with him yeah. that you know are these like temporary space because i was wondering too i'm like uh, can he breathe out there? Like, how much evolution has happened here? <laughs> I, I don't know. So, yeah, he he gets one of these, like, suits that has the air that will last for, like, half an hour or something like that. We, you know, we see all this happening really fast with, like, the, the you know, she agrees to the, you know, wedding. It's just a contract, which I'm like, the whole time, like, you're marrying your mother. Okay. But whatever. It's just supposed to be on paper. And this is when I was really feeling the Flash Gordon vibes because of her, like, yeah crazy cool though um wedding get up and yeah. the makeup and the headdress and everything that she's on and this whole like giant vaulted hall where they're having this take place which is like with all these not drones but like they're like they're not real people that are there to like witness this yeah they have like a, a term for them there's a lot of different types of sort of henchmen yeah. type characters there's um, I think they call them the Saurians or whatever Something. that are like dinosaur men, yeah, yeah, which are cool. I had questions about them, too. I was like, are these guys dragons? They don't seem to be dragons, but they have wings. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're dra just... dinosaur dudes, lizards of some sort. They're cool. I mean, I think that's kind of what they're hinting at when Sean Bean's talking about the dinosaurs. They used to be the, the inhabitants yeah. of the planet, and he called them like the early Saurians or whatever. Something. So I think we're to yeah. assume that these... Aliens are evolutionarily advanced sort of dinosaur men. I think that's how we're supposed to take them. But yeah, there's also these guys with weird masks that mm -hmm. are never really explained. They're just kind of like the stormtroopers of the sure. Abraxas family or no, whatever. No, it's all like visually cool. I'm not like digging into it that much. I don't need to know everything. But they just had like a, a bunch of, they're all like in white and they look more alien-ish yeah. that were there to witness the ceremony. But anyway... Kane's like floating around in space and, and we hear like the suits run out of oxygen. And now it's like carbon monoxide taking over or whatever. And he's like just scooped up, which again, was it the good guys again? Yeah, that got it was him? the ages. It just showed up yeah, and saved him. Right. But it's so quick. Like, you know, it's like they just sh somehow found him, showed up, they scoop him up, whatever. And they like, he's and then he's like, we got to save her. He's, you know, he's going to kill her. They're, he's going to marry her and then he's going to kill her. Yeah. So it's like really a race to like them having to like break through this barrier. To, that like... whole thing makes no visual sense. It's like some sort of mind barrier or something that Titus's 
castle ship or whatever <laughs> shoots out as a defense, but it just is visual mumbo jumbo. I don't know what's going on. He's just like, they're trying to get through this thing. And it's like, we're getting like Titus getting his like ring tattoo on or whatever yeah. ring imprint on. And they're, they're having to go through the whole rigmarole of the vows and stuff. And she's kind of trying to stall a little, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And then like, she's like literally starting to get her ring tattooed and then Kane busts in and it's a whole thing. Before this, we find out that this juice that they use yeah. is like harvested from like a hundred people. It's like they kill a hundred people. For one container. For one container of this juice that lets them like live for I don't know how many years. I don't know. And they've just got like, you know, a whole cache of them just stacked up. And so Jupiter is sort of horrified to realize that but the plan is ultimately is to do that to everybody on Earth so that these people can live longer. And they don't say exactly when it's supposed to happen. They're saying like, oh, once Earth becomes too populated to sustain itself, which I would assume would be in the near future. Right. I think they say like maybe by the end of this century or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the looming threat. It's a weird looming threat because it's like not going to happen necessarily in Jupiter's lifetime. Right. This is something that will happen later on. But she wants to stop it, obviously. And the only way she can stop it is to take her rightful place as the queen of the planet and not allow it to happen. Titus was spinning lies saying that, you know, he had just discovered what was happening and that you know he was he was very shocked by this as well as far as you know the the harvesting goes and he he wanted you know them to take a stand against it together or something like that right. and he really does not but yeah these like these vials they look like those things that you used to when you go to the bank uh -huh. you know they would like go through the tube or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's about that size and he, when he says it's like a hundred people for one of those they're not that big you know and and then there's just a like an infinite amount of them in there too like in this room like how many do you need like how how much there's a lot of questions here like how often do you have to have this stuff to stay young well we don't really know how many it takes to fill one of those pools or if they just yeah. put one canister in the pool yeah, but they drink it too tuppence middleton obviously allowed herself to like become middle-aged right so i think it's just however many they've lived a long time they're talking like millions of years well yeah like tuppence middleton was fourteen thousand years old right so <laughs> takes a lot i guess yeah and they're harvesting whole planets right so. it's not just earth there's a bunch of other planets too so yeah so that all turns into another let's rescue um jupiter again yep right so we rescue her again from there and in the meantime is this when her family is getting attacked by yes. um, Eddie Redmayne's people? Yeah, Eddie Redmayne sends his lizard men to go kidnap them so that he'll have leverage. Her Russian family is just trying to process where the hell she is and like giving her cousin the business about having her go and harvest her eggs like her uncle keeps saying like she's a chicken and um they're having this whole like they're really like over the top kind of caricatures of a Russian family, you know, but yeah, they, 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 the space people just bust in into their house and it's, yeah, it's a whole, whole scene with the, like with the lizard guys. Yeah. It's a little, 
incongruous, I'd say, but you know, I understand it from a plot point. Yeah. That's what Eddie Redmayne's gonna do to you get, gotta get the stakes. To, you gotta get the stakes high. Yeah, personal stakes. Yeah. Now Jupiter has somebody that she needs to make a decision for. It is kind of funny that like most of what we see of her family though is that they're kind of horrible. Well, that's the thing. I was also like, Jupiter, you could just go have this new life, like Sorry about these folks. Yeah, like all Jupiter has to do is say, yeah, okay, go ahead and turn my family into go juice or whatever you're <laughs> no. doing. Oh, well. Well, they didn't really present themselves in a way that looked like they were a loving family. Or helpful in any way no. at all to her life. No. I mean, you know, we're deeply cynical people and this would probably be <laughs> what we did if uh, we were presented with this situation and we had that family. Not with our families no, no, we love dearly. Yeah. But yeah, if I was in Jupiter's shoes, I'd be thinking long and hard about this. Because she's already queen of Earth at that point. That's right. All she's got to do is be like, oh, no, not interested. Go ahead. Kill them. I'm good. Harvest away. Harvest away, Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> you got nothing on me. That basically brings us into the end of the movie. Yeah which takes place in the eye of Jupiter. Eddie Redmayne has this like planet that's like a foundry that harvests, I think, gas out of the planet of Jupiter or something like that. So it's this big sort of industrial mm -hmm. type of installation. And, you know, he's got his palace on the installation, his villain's lair. And he's got like this floor that you can see through sometimes where people are being harvested mm -hmm. for their juice. And of course, he puts Jupiter's family under this floor. And it's funny because they essentially just become these floating <laughs> figures. They're like just floating on their backs and they're not awake, I don't think, during any of this. Like they're not conscious during any of this end of the movie. They're just this sort of like these objects that Jupiter's got to be concerned with. And it later at this one point, Cain like rescues them and gets them on the Aegis while she's running around and stuff. I think it also just kind of tickled me because I guess with Jupiter, we've gotten her since she's left Earth. She, you know, has been in these gowns we've seen her in. Mm -hmm. Or then like she was like, I'm uncomfortable when, the, when she got on the Aegis or whatever. I'm uncomfortable in this getup. You know, do you have something I could change into? So then she's in like one of the Legion type outfits or whatever. Yeah. So everyone in, in the space has like a look. And then there's her Russian family who's like in their regular like <laughs> clothes from Earth or whatever. Mom's got like a flower print like shirt on. Yeah. And, you know, it just it was just it was aesthetically just kind of I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't have taken the time to put them into prisoner space clothes or something. I don't know. But it's just it was it just kind of made me it was just kind of a funny visual to me. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because I do feel that visually this movie is kind of a mess. I do agree with you. There are moments that I think are really spectacular and beautiful. But I also feel that sometimes there's just too much going on yeah. in terms of like design elements and things like the spaceships themselves are kind of cool because it seems to be that they have parts that are actually not attached. Like they're just sort of magnetically, you know, connected to some sort of field so that, you know, there's actually space between parts of the ship. But they're also just so over-designed. Like you never really get a good sense of what the ships really look like. You know, I get what they're going for with the ships that the Abraxas family have. They're very kind of gothic and like they're fancy, ornate 
types of ships. I, I get what they're going for. It's just in the end, the movie ends up being kind of visually too overstuffed for me in terms of design. I completely understand what you're talking about. And yeah, there like there's certain scenes that are just breathtaking. Wow. I keep going back to the wedding scene like that that was one for me where i was just like whoa this is this is yeah that looked pretty cool there's i mean and there's some others that were were cool like when they first went to um colleague's place Mm -hmm. there's some things that are that are really cool but yeah there's especially it just feels so jam-packed yeah like we're just really trying to get all of these ideas in and it's visual like stimulation overload. Yes. And I think it especially comes into play here at the end because of this foundry environment that we're in. There's this scene between Jupiter and Eddie Redmayne, which we sort of touched upon where Mm -hmm. he's like having his moment with her and he's, Oh, you need to sign this and give me control of the planet. Yelling at her. And then he's that slap. Man, yeah, it seemed her. like he like slapped the shit out of her and she's got like this like welt on her face. Like yeah. it's it's intense. Yeah. So they have their sort of moment where they're sort of, I don't know, facing off against each other, if you want to say that. And then Kane comes in and I think he does something to make the installation unstable Mm -hmm. it's not clear but all of a sudden the whole place starts to fall apart fall apart like it's going to explode and like there's sounds going and it's just it's bad like there's like fire and just it's 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 not good i'm sure it's covered in the movie how this is done but i never pick up on it well i certainly did not pick up on it place is gonna blow up i'm not sure how we got there but that's what's happening yes and so kane has to fight one of the lizard guys like underneath the floor and everything so we're getting this whole battle with the space boots and the flying lizard guy which i have to admit i kind of enjoy that's kind of my jam (laughs) i like dudes who can fly fighting lizard men that can fly i'm into it i don't know what to tell you it it wasn't an unlikable scene for me either i mean it wasn't that great or anything but i'm kind of enjoying that part of it And then meanwhile, like Jupiter's running around outside on all these platforms that keep falling out from under her and she jumps to another one and, you know, they're all falling into the fiery gases of Jupiter or whatever. There's a lot of Jupiter falling and getting caught by Kane Wise. (laughs) Jupiter falls like at least three or four times. Yeah. Like, Like big falls. There's a lot of falling from Jupiter and being caught. But we do get a final fight between her and Eddie Redmayne. He finds her on these platforms and he's like hitting her with this pipe pretty brutally like really hard because she had accused him of killing his mother yes that's the other thing that's like kind of supposed to be a a mystery i guess in a sense is that if you can live forever you know jupiter asked kalik then you know her mother had died when she was like ninety-one thousand years old and she said, well, why, if you can live forever, you know, why did she die then? And she said, she, you know, she was murdered. Yes. So that's been a whole thing. And so then she accuses uh, Eddie Redmayne of killing his mom, which he denies. But then when he's beating the earlier, he denies it. But then when he's beating her with this pipe, yeah. he's like, this was just how it was 
for you, mother, and all this. So yeah, he's like, do you remember how this felt, mother? Is this how it felt for you then? And you you told me that you hated your life and you begged me to do this. Yes. And I was like, oh, she did say she hated her life like every day at 4.45 a.m. That's right. Isn't that um, a clever mm, callback? That's mm, screenwriting right there. That's right. I mean, it works for me. It's fine. I thought it's it was totally, good. It's totally good. Yeah. I think the Wachowskis are generally pretty good screenwriters. I mean, in terms of just sort of knowing the craft of it, I think that this screenplay gets away from them. And I think a lot of screenplays they've written since The Matrix have gotten away from them. But their skill as screenwriters is pretty apparent. But yeah, so he says that, like, you, you said you hated your life and then... Jupiter has her line where she's like, I'm not your mother. Yeah. But she doesn't kill him. Kill him. No. The platform just kind of collapses and then she just he lets goes, it happen. Yeah. She just lets it happen. And, and Eddie Redmayne goes falling off into the gases of Jupiter. And Jupiter falls too. But, but Kane Wise swoops, swoops in. in and catches her. And then we have this sort of tiresome last thing where. The planet's going to blow up and the Aegis has to like go into hyperspace or whatever and jump away. And, oh, are Kane and Jupiter going to make it? And, you know, she's on his back and he's skating towards the ship and they've got spacesuits on now. And are they going to make it? Oh, the ship goes into hyperspace or whatever. It's some sort of like portal that closes. Mm -hmm. But Kane and Jupiter make it through and they're floating in space outside the Aegis and they're like... And you let us in. Yeah. And yay, our heroes have survived. And then we're back to Earth and surprisingly, Jupiter is back to her old life. Only now she's approaching it with a lot more of a positive attitude. She sure is. 4.45 a.m. the alarm goes off. No one has to tell her to get up and out of bed because she's already made breakfast and coffee for everyone. Yes. And she's just happy and... Happy to be with her family, and the family seems to be nicer, even though I'm sure they have no memory because they've had the Men in Black wiped out thing yes. happen, but they just seem to be more appreciative of Jupiter. So appreciative, in fact, that they buy her that telescope That's that right. she's wanted. That, like, four grand telescope, which was great. And the mom's like, your dad was a good man, and, you know, he loved telescopes, and you should have one, too. And then, you know, she's having this nice family dinner, and they're want to do something or whatever and she's like i can't because i have a date the little kid says you want to go put a, the oh, telescope on the roof, on the roof? that's and she's right like i can't i've got a date she does have a date on the roof she though sure does on the roof of the sears building or mm -hmm. whatever it's called now yep. the hancock tower it's called like some other something. thing now i used to notice the sears tower the biggest building in chicago basically yes. anyway her and kane are up there and Kane has gotten his wings. He sure has. The Wolfman has gotten his wings. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what you might call a hat on a hat. Why do we have a character that's a wolf but has wings? Like, shouldn't he have been like a bird man who lost his wings? Don't Wouldn't question that be this. Don't question more straightforward? <laughs> I guess a bird man isn't as sexy or whatever. Well, this bird man and Flash Gordon were pretty sexy. Yeah, see, he should have been a hawk man. <laughs> But anyway, so he's got his wings and Jupiter's got his uh, space uh, skates and they are in love and they have a big old smooch and he calls her your highness and 
you know, she's the queen of the planet, but she's not making that known. She's nope. just going to live her normal life and just keep the planet safe from people. Harvesting. From people who would want to harvest it. And then they just go flying off into the sky of Chicago. And they were hoping to fly off into a sequel. But that didn't happen. It sure didn't. The reason that didn't happen is because this movie cost uh, around $200 million. Wow. And domestically, it only made like $47 million. Oof. Worldwide, I think it cleared like 165 which isn't great. So it lost a lot of money. Um, one of the reasons why it ended up costing that much was because it was testing poorly and test screenings. It was supposed to come out in like 2013 or 2014, mm -hmm. and it ended up not coming out until 2015. I remember this because it kept getting pushed back over and over and I wanted to see it. Like mm -hmm. I was like, I'll see this crazy movie. And they just kept pushing it back. I'm like, when is it going to come out? And then they finally like put it out in like February of like 2015, which a real show of no confidence from the studio. Yet again, another Wachowski money loser. Why do you think it failed? I don't know. It's just somebody loved this movie, but I don't know who. I think it's a common theme that comes up on Temple Trauma is like, who is this really for? Is it supposed to be for kids? No, I would say, I think I can tell you who this is for. Is it preteens? I think they were hoping to find the Venn diagram between people who love Star Wars and fantasy and Disney fans who are into like princess movies. I think they were hoping there's some sort of like crossover there. You know, people who are going to be into this sort of thing or will also be into this sort of thing. I mean, you know, Star Wars has that kind of element where there's like a space princess and it's not like it's that far afield to think that this could be this sort of new archetypal sci-fi fantasy story that might work for people. I just think it's just not really simple enough for that it's not it's complicated there's a lot going on here and i also don't know if like without being just really extraordinary i don't know where it's going to live in a time in 2015 where the avengers were hot like marvel was blowing up all over the place like star wars had revamped and come back like you have some stiff competition yeah i mean i think there could be an argument to be made that it, it's just really not possible anymore or it you know it wasn't possible starting in 2015 to build something from scratch that's one of these types of franchises but i mean i also think that the movie's just not good enough i mean to your point i think yeah it needs to be extraordinary it needs to be something that's so primal that people just completely relate to like star wars like avatar i know neither you or i <laughs> feel that way about avatar but like it took a very simple formula which is the dances with wolves white savior goes native type of story you know which is a very simple and easy thing for people to understand and then it put this crazy sci-fi skin on it I feel like that's the only real way you can do that. And and they were trying to do that with this. They could have if they just would have made it or simplified it because it's like it's the Wizard of Oz in the sense as far as there's no place like home. It's like yeah. getting Mila Kunis's character to realize 
even though you and I were like, this isn't such a great life, but, you know, or it's a wonderful life type thing or whatever, that she's realizing that, you know, she does love her family and she's just wants to go back to her normal life. She's choosing not to reign in space or whatever. Maybe if it was just that, that's something that people could have gotten a hold of, but it just has so much more going on than that, that it's just, and I mean, look, I just watched it and I'm like, I mean, I get the basics of it, but it's, it's a lot. Yes. A, I think you needed to sort of simplify this ideal and make it much more easy to digest and lose a little bit of the world building and the complicated stuff and just kind of focus in on this is going to be a Disney princess and space story. But I also think you would have stood a much better chance if you had gotten some white hot star like, say, Jennifer Lawrence to be in this thing. Sure. You know, in 2015, if you had had Jennifer Lawrence's Jupiter, A, I think she would have done a better job because she's Jennifer Lawrence. B, like everybody was paying attention to Jennifer Lawrence at that time. So, you know, if you had like Jennifer Lawrence is in this space opera with the Wachowskis, I think you could have sold it. Mila Kunis does a fine job, I guess, but she's not that kind of star. People don't flock to movies to see her ever and never have. Right. And she's just not good enough to carry something that needed that much star power to help it. Definitely. More star power, simpler story. I mean, and I think that the Wachowskis were probably thinking like, oh, we don't need a big star in this role because... We didn't have that necessarily with a Matrix, although Keanu, Keanu. Was, was a pretty big star at that point. So, yeah, scratch that. I mean, they were smart to have Keanu in the Matrix. and. But, I mean, he was a big star, but I, he, they might have been getting him at a time where he wasn't doing a whole lot. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he was, his time was earlier. And then, like, there's been a resurgence of lots more Keanu now. But yes. there was, I think they were catching him at a time where he wasn't doing a whole bunch. Yes. They needed somebody like that. Yeah. Somebody who had some sort of cultural cachet that they could have really sold this around. And Mila Kunis just wasn't it. I think she does fine in this movie, but she's just not enough. You know, Scarlett Johansson. But you wouldn't have gotten Scarlett Johansson or Jennifer Lawrence because of Hunger Games and right. uh, Black Widow. Yes. <laughs> so then wouldn't they have, were busy? They were busy doing stuff. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure if they had a wish list, those girls were popping up on it too. I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure even Scarlett Johansson wouldn't have guaranteed a big box office because they tried that with Ghost in the Shell yeah. and that didn't work either. So maybe there was just no way this was ever going to be a big hit. But I think there were things they could have done to give it a better chance. I would uh, agree with all of that. You have anything last mm -hmm. words to say about Jupiter Ascending? Just again, I'm pleasantly surprised that I you know, didn't mind watching it. I probably will watch it again someday. This bodes well for me getting you to watch the Lord of the Rings movies. Just a little tease, everyone. Jennifer has agreed to watch the Lord of the Rings movies with me, and then we are going to discuss them in podcast form for our Patreon subscribers. Tent pole triumphs. All right. Well, I'm going to go summon some bees to accept me for my royal heritage. I'm going to get some um, genetic juice to bathe in and make myself younger. And maybe, hopefully, this werewolf will get his wings. I'm glad that you're not wearing those boots, honey. 
that about does it today for tentpole trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for tentpole trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon. (laughs) 